Guys, good morning. What a day. What a show. Hey, it's Rick. Rick Pianueva. Jam Transmissions. We're going to talk about episode 10. One way out of Andor. Um, good gravy. This episode was... Uh, I, uh, was exhilarating. Got my coffee here. It's very early Wednesday morning, guys, just so you know. Very early. Um, yeah, this show woke me up. This show was hot. It was hot like that floor. Um, but, uh, <laughs> just started a little down. Uh, R.I.P. Olaf. Got to see him go in that body bag. That's uh, the first time we've seen a body bag in Star Wars. And a, um, like a stretcher droid. Um, I, the, the conversation of this episode, there were so many, and it's been like this all season. Every, there, no word is wasted in this whole thing. I, I, I still, from the beginning of the show up until you're through this episode, I can't think of a single thing that I would say, well, they should have cut that or that scene didn't need to be there. Like they've trimmed the fat on this thing so much. Like it's, or it's just, it's the writing has just been that good where they haven't needed to. Like I, I would hate to think that there are scenes that they cut out that are equally as important as what they left in. But, um, that first scene with uh, Kino and Cassian, Andy Circus, where Kino is talking about, he's, he says tomorrow, and I just could not help but think, but tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, um, to get into some classic literature, but what that invokes, you know, there's, you almost get the idea that, you know, Kino doesn't want to play along yet. Like, he's not 100% convinced in the beginning. Cassian's telling him, like, it has to be tomorrow. They already have a plan. He's already been working on it. Kino be damned. You're either coming with or you're not. Um, and, I, you know, I'm taking notes as I'm, as I'm watching the show. And I wrote down right in the beginning when Cassian says uh, that he'd rather die trying to take them down than die giving them what they want. And to have Kino repeat that later on, um, you know, that's the thing about, like, there have just been points in the show, in individual episodes, where there are, um, like, these mission statements that, like, you just, you know they're important. And it's not just because they're cool-sounding lines or anything, but it's the way that they're delivered. And Andy Circus in the moments just after that, um when they finally make their way back to their, to their cells, all the other inmates are kind of asking them what happened. And, you know, Cassian's the one telling everybody initially. And you hear one guy yell in the back is like, talk louder. Um, but the look on Andy Circus's face, it's like, it just kind of settles on him for a minute. It, it was reminiscent of last week's, um, Bix, uh, Arahona, like the close up on her face. Uh, I, I just, 
Like it's not it's not even subtle acting anymore. I mean, it's it's literally right there in your face, and it's it was um, effective. Um, but after all of that, you know, we get this this series of kind of quick jumps where, you know, the only scene with uh, Dedra Miro, they talk about uh, Anto Krieger and all of that. The uh, excuse me, I thought it did wake me up. Guess I am that tired. <laughs> excuse me uh but their plan uh, the isb plan is kind of going off with on a hitch as well where the rebel pilot uh has kind of gone off and uh, they say the ship that he was in was a gpe 7000 and i didn't um i didn't look up what that was but um I'm, it's a thing uh they say that krieger took the bait uh partigas has like a really awesome coat in this scene, you know, just want to shout that out with shades of Krennic there in the rain. Um, kind of uh, foreboding of uh, the the Empire soon to be inundated underwater, up over their heads, if you will. Um, we go back to the prison. We see the number on Cassian's, uh, his shift number, and it said, I think it says 2155, which means it's only been about a month. He started, it was 2189, went to 2159. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm getting my numbers wrong, but it seemed like there was more time that passed. Um, we uh, we just see them back to work. They had to go back to normal for a little bit before things get enacted. Um, and again, another quick jump. We go to Ferrix. We see some stormies out there. We see some citizens uh, talking to a character by the name of Dr. Molnoy. Uh, assuming that they're talking about Marva and her medication that she's not eating, it sounded like. Um, she's deteriorating. She wasn't even in the show. Like, we didn't even see her. Um, but it's effective, even off screen. Um, we meet, uh, Davo Skulden, played by, um, Richard Delane. And, uh, he looked familiar. And he had a small role in, in The Dark Knight. He was in Argo, ton of TV stuff, a lot of British productions. Um, and, uh, excuse me, I burped. What a skeezy motherfucker that guy was. Uh, you know, he's telling Mon Mothma, you know, he doesn't want money. He doesn't want payment for moving their money around. And instead, he's basically asking for her daughter's hand for his son, who's 14. He says he wants an introduction. And Mon Mothma was like, You're going to Game of Thrones my house, son. Get out. And <laughs> the anger on her face. And it's like, for all of the relationship problems that she's had with her husband and her daughter, um, she still was is willing to do what she needs to do to protect her daughter. Obviously, that's a cost too high for her. No amount of money is worth her daughter's hand. Um, but she's still a mother. She's still going to do what she feels best for her daughter. And it's, you know, probably emblematic of why she's where she is within the rebellion. You know, she probably still has it in her that, you know, she can make a better galaxy for her family. The same way that members of the Empire probably do the same in the name of security. Um We'll talk about Lonnie Young, Jung, at the end, uh, doing the same thing. He's protecting his family, his young daughter, 
Um, we'll get to that in a second. But the things that Scalden says to her, um, you know, being so rich, being so wealthy that uh, they have, quote, the freedom from other people's opinion. He's just above everybody. He doesn't care about anybody. Yeah, money. He didn't even care about money. Um, he says that boundaries can be liberating. Like, he's just saying, like, all the wrong things, but in the best possible way. Um, and, you know, she kicks him out and he's kind of like, all right, all right, well, let's see how, uh, let's see how this works out for you. Um, again, another kind of, this episode was a little shorter than the other ones. It had a 46 minute total runtime, but you know, with the, the intro and the credits, it was probably like 38 minutes or something, 39 minutes of actual, uh, showtime. But, you know, apologies. I had a phone call I had to take. Um, but, uh, yeah, tension in this whole thing. You know, we see, like I said, these cuts back and forth, all this stuff that's going on. Uh, Luthen talks about a secret meeting with Clea. And now you guys won't hear it, but I've been interrupted a couple of times here. Um, I'm already at work. Not in work, but at work. So had to do uh, had to deal with work stuff. Anyway, so this whole episode was like this building tension. You know, I, the the arcs have done that. You know, first arc, second arc, and now this is the third arc. Built attention into the the third part of each arc, and this one ramped it up. Um, that uh, you know, Cassian coming through with the plan of like cutting that pipe. Now that was weird because to look at what was actually what that pipe was having, uh, you know, I work construction. So I'm looking at those things and I'm like, it looks like electrical conduit because it's stainless. It's a stainless steel. It looked like, or, you know, silver. And then in the back of it, there was that little coil. Now that's something that electricians use. It's called a whip uh, when it's not attached to anything. So it was a little weird seeing that things that look like electrical parts and then have water come out of it. Um, and that's just like my realist brain looking at it. It was a little strange, but uh, the tension of that scene when the plan is coming through, the guys are coming up, <laughs> new guy inmate gets shot first, um, RIP, he's a real one, um, and that moment when the floor finally gets electrified, and, you know, all the guys jumping up on the tables and stuff, the guys that, that don't make it, unfortunately, um, is tough. I mean, you know, there kind of has to be sacrifices in moments like that. And, uh, Kino standing on a dry part right on the edge is completely unaffected. And again, to see him yelling that climb again, as they're coming up the, um, the lift, um, you know, again, shades of rogue one, it's there again. Um, but when they get to kind of the hub, they meet the voice of God, played by Martin Ware, who's um, one of the casting directors, I believe, for the show. Um, and then to hear, you know, Kino takes over. Nice, uh, you know, seeing the communications thing that we see in the Death Star later on. Han Solo is a boring conversation anyway. Um, you know, that whole thing. Uh, and Kino, you know, kind of talking into the thing, trying to get everybody. And casting's like, that's it? That's all you got? You got to fire these homies up. And the one line from all of that, because Kino looks scared. He sounds scared. He's got a, a tremor in his voice the whole time. But he finally says, you have to help each other. 
And, you know, this is that, that bonding moment for all of them to, I, to survive, to get out. Um, you know, seeing them all come through, there's a scene of all the guards are hiding behind that room. Um, you know, I mean, they were outnumbered. They would all would have died if they had, if they had come out and to see everybody coming up on the edge. And I mean, they got to jump and swim. You know, I thought that they would maybe steal a, a, a ship or something. Nope. They're, uh, they got to swim out and, uh, to find out that Kino Loy cannot swim and Cassian kind of gets pushed in the fray and, you know, can't even be there to, you know, try to help him or anything. Everybody passes him up. And I said it last week talking with Kyle that there was a part of me that felt that Kino was going to sacrifice himself, you know, being that pit boss, being the one to kind of, who had been telling everybody what to do, but, uh, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I hadn't even considered that. Um, but you know, the, the symbolism that I'm always looking for, you know, that baptism into a new life kind of thing. Um, we catch up with Cassian and Melshi on the other side running at night and there's searchlights and stuff like that. And, you know, so they, they make it out. But the, the scene with Luthen meeting Lonnie Young, the ISB agent uh, in the, the underworld there in Coruscant, is some of the, I, which Kyle and I talked about it, the scene stealing of, of this show that Stellan is capable of every time he's on the screen uh, talking with, um, with this ISB officer who is, you know, a mole for the rebellion and Luthen telling him that he's got a daughter, the guy saying, uh, you know, is that supposed to scare me? And he's like, like, I'm not trying to scare you, man. I just need, you need to know that I'm watching you. And they get in this conversation about the vow because young wants out. Um, and, uh, Luthen's got that sweet, sweet space cape, brother. Um, but that whole thing about him saying he needs heroes and he needs Lonnie to stay where he is. And Lonnie's, you know, warning him about what's going to happen on, um, Spellhouse and all of that with Anto Krieger being caught up, uh, in the traps that are being sent there. But he asked Luthen, like, you know, what, what are you, what are you sacrificing? What do what, like, I have a daughter. What, what is it that you're sacrificing? And he says that, you know, there's a sunshine he'll never see. He's given up his inner peace. He's done all of these things. He's given up his whole life. He's in a prison that, you know, other people can't understand because once he got into it 15 years prior, there was no going back. There is no getting out. You can't walk away from that life. You have to see it through to the end. And he knows that he won't, he'll never see that end. Uh, he's building a future for other people. People. He mentions his ego, um, and that he sacrificed everything. And he says, I need all the heroes I can get. And in that moment, it cuts away to Cassian and, and Melshi. Um, again, Toby Haynes, uh, Bo Willimon, um, yeah, there's going to be a ton to talk about with this one uh, this weekend. Uh, guest for, for this weekend. This one's been in the works for a little bit, but I can announce uh, right now that uh, this weekend I will be talking with Alden Diaz from Octo Radio uh, and Casterly Talk. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, Alden's always got some great insights. There's going to be a ton to talk about, guys. You probably, with the other things too going on this week with the Acolyte casting and some other little bits and bobs that have come out. Um, I got to go to work. So I got to cut this off here. It's already been a crazy day just in watching this episode. I'm hyped. I'm pumped. I'm ready to go break some shit in this job site. Um, let some motherfuckers step to me today. I'm going to tell them what's up because these guys got me hot.
is one of them episodes. Uh, no way out. Uh, hopefully, it's safely at the end of the workday. So, guys, I'm going to leave you to it. Uh, you guys, uh, I'll, I'm going to talk with all you guys on Wednesday. I'm sorry, on the weekend. Uh, find me on Twitter, Cad Baines Bounty. Find the show at JT Comlink. Find me on Jam Transmissions, uh, com and uh, Instagram, Kev Baines Bounty, and uh, Jam Transmissions there. So, uh, hey, send me an email, comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K, at jamtransmissions.com. And uh, until then, may the force be with you.